Welcome back, Rosebuds. Today we have some stories from around the globe surrounding local legends and lore. You know how this works. I have four stories for you today which are based on real-life people and their encounters, except for one piece of creative fiction written by me. As you listen, you get to guess which one is the imposter. So make sure to listen all the way to the end where I'll reveal the fictional piece. With that, let's dive into our five creepy legends and lore to tell in the dark. Story number one, The Bunian People. Here is some local folklore from Malaysia and Indonesia. You can actually Google the stories of people being lured or hid by the Bunian people. These cases happen all year long. Most of the news articles are either in the Malay or Indonesian language, but there is a Google Translate option. I've heard stories of this happening to a friend of a friend, which I will elaborate later on. The folklore is about the Orang Bunian or Bunian people. This is basically a type of entity or being that lives either in the spirit realm or another dimension. It's debatable. Orang Bunian is known for luring people who wander off into the forest. They would lure potential victims by mimicking sounds of your friend, calling out for you when you wander in far enough. They can also charm you with their beautiful appearance. When you become beguiled by their lures, you would either get teleported to an invisible Bunian village, or the entity would hide you in the spirit realm where you can see and hear people, but people can't see and hear you. Also, for some reason, you aren't able to move around. There was a case where an old lady was hid by the Bunian people on her own boat on the river. She said that she could see and hear the rescue team calling out for her, but they couldn't hear her. She was literally hidden on the boat for a week before people found her. When they did, she was in a very weakened state. Also, the case about a friend of a friend that I mentioned earlier was also a bit strange. She didn't recollect herself being lost or missing. People reported her missing for about a week. The report was that she'd gone missing when she was bathing in the river with her friends, and then suddenly, she disappeared. Some days later, people spotted her walking home in her towel, and she was shocked that they were distressed and screaming at her. They ran towards her saying, You've been missing for days! Where were you? She was adamant that she'd only been gone a few hours. Story number two, The Massacre Motel There's a place on the old country highway number five in Connecticut that used to be a popular motel. Back in its heyday, when that road was the main one used by tourists traveling north and south, it was always booked. The rumor is that as the interstates were built, the motel started to decline. This part of the story is very likely true. The next part may be embellished, but such is the nature of local lore. The rumor is that a serial killer had begun to use the motel as a place to take his victims to. He always requested the one on the end of the property where other staff and guests wouldn't hear him torture, kill, and dismember the bodies. 
Then he would dispose of them in the dumpster out back and clean up his mess. The motel became known as the Massacre Motel. The serial killer only got away with a few murders, thank goodness, but I think three is the minimum it takes for a killer to earn the title as serial. Teens report going out there and hearing screams or getting a creepy vibe, seeing shadow figures or apparitions. I've never been, but had friends who would do a lot of urban exploring and said they had weird things happen to them when they went to that motel. Occurrences like being pinched or having unexplainable scratch marks, feeling weird, intense cold spots. Anyway, who knows how much of it's true. About three years ago, the whole place burned down and they're clearing the lot for developers to buy the land. So far, there's been no takers. Maybe the ghost stories hold up. Not sure, but it makes for good horror storytelling, even if it's all speculation. Story number three, the Nova Scotia Golers. This is not my experience, but it happened where I grew up. There are books written about it and TV programs. In the 1970s, there was this family called the Golers, who were an incest-bred clan with severe physical and mental deficiencies. The very large family lived in two huge and very unsafe shacks in the mountains of central Nova Scotia. They collected welfare and did the occasional side work, but you'll want to imagine the hills have eyes or deliverance type shit. Some kids had run away a couple of times, but were caught by the police and returned. It wasn't until a teacher noticed something about one of the young girls that prompted her to demand that the police investigate. Everyone in town knew of them, but nobody really believed or cared about them. They just thought they were dirty and dumb and let them keep to themselves. Finally, when the police did investigate, all of their horrors became known. There were 20 adults and even more kids. They weren't ashamed of their lifestyle, even bragging about graphic and violent sexual assault. They blamed the kids for it, saying they were asking for it. I will say, I'm unsure if this part was urban myth, but I also believe that a makeshift graveyard was discovered of stillborn children and infants who didn't make it. Most, if not all, of the adults were evaluated to have had numerous intellectual disabilities and very low IQs. All of them ended up going to prison. I think the shacks were demolished because they were infested with all manner of pests and endless heaps of garbage. Also, no surprise, they were hoarders. The kids were separated and relocated around the province and their names changed to protect their identities. Most of the kids would be in their late 30s to 40s now. We used to talk about this family a lot in school. And where I grew up, if you referred to someone as a goaler, it was a common insult. Story number four, Bailey's Light. Here's a story regarding family lore. Bailey's light, still seen at night sometimes, is a light that floats over the salt grass prairie near the coast in South Texas and has even been reported to chase people. 
All my many kin down there readily attest to the light, so therefore it must be true, right? Most of the people mentioned in this news story link I've posted are related to me, except not the notorious Brit Bailey of Bailey's Light fame. My family passed down the story of Bailey's Light with the clarification that old Brit was a hellacious, no-count reprobate, neighbor of the ancestors, and definitely not one of ours, lol. The word for my ancestors is that old Brit in life was an abusive drunk, and in death he hasn't improved as a human being. Brit's descendants are also still living in the area. I should probably watch what I say, right? Some of the cousins who lived on ranches in the area in earlier decades tell tales of chasing the light on horseback, but they were unable to catch up to it. They say the light would climb over gates in the fences and the chains holding the gate closed would rattle. Also, the hounds were too scared of the light to chase it. The area is flat, hot, damp, and inclined to be swampy along the numerous creeks and bayous. Some people insist that the light is phosphorus that develops in the swamps and can emit an eerie glow, but what about the chains rattling on the gates? Over the decades, Bailey's light has been documented numerous times in the media. Unsolved Mysteries even did a segment on it from the standpoint of contemporary reports by people who didn't know the legend, or so they said. Mysterious lights have been reported in other rural areas in the U.S., so Bailey's light should not be confused with the Marfa lights or the Gurdon lights, just for what it's worth. Story number five, Disturbing Rumors. So back in high school, when I was in theater, there was an assignment about presenting stories in different ways. Everyone takes their turn, and eventually we get to a story that unnerved me a bit. This kid tells his story and gets into how our town was kind of split at one point. It was always kind of weird, but one side was just straight up off. Now, if you're from around said town, you just kind of knew about some of the weird shit that's gone down. We've got super old houses, so ghost stories and haunted stuff, pretty common. It's also a relatively small town where everyone knows everyone. If you can imagine, gossip spreads pretty quickly, and if there's any drama, everyone heard about it at school. The kid keeps talking, and come to find out, the police pulled up at his place, questioning his family about something that had happened on the weird side of town. The kid's family wasn't in any legal trouble. The police were just gathering info from locals to find out if they'd seen anything. The boy's family asked what these questions were about. Apparently, police had seen numerous dead animals stapled, strung up, and tied to trees in one of the forests. Like, I mean some Stephen King pet cemetery horror movie type shit. And as far as his story indicated, it seemed as though whoever the hell did this did it on purpose. I don't know if they ever got caught or if it ever got resolved. This is about all I know. Still doesn't sit right with me, and it's been years since. Well, Rosebuds, 
That brings us to the end of today's episode. Before I do the reveal for our creative fictional story, just a quick request. We are a very small channel just getting started, but we are determined to make this our full-time endeavor. It really helps out the algorithms if you just give us a thumbs up and share this episode with a friend. Also, do you have any interesting local legends or lore surrounding the part of the globe you live in? Drop us a comment and tell us your story. Maybe we'll feature you in the next Legends and Lore episode. Alright, on to our imposter story reveal. Story number two, the motel massacre about the haunted hotel and the serial killer was completely made up. However, my inspiration did come from the fact that out here in Connecticut, along Highway 5, there are a lot of abandoned and rundown motels that look creepy AF. At certain times of year, they can just look downright haunted, and it sparked some inspiration for a story. Anyway, that's a wrap, Rosebuds. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care and stay creepy.